Good morning. My name is Brad Johnson. This is my wife, Judy. We farm in Northern California, and we're going to present today quite a, quite a large topic of what our farming operation is about and, and also this particular session, you know, the, what it mentally, what's it take? I mean, that's, that's a huge thing, but, um, and just, just to let you know, I don't know if you heard in the main session that one of the, I was dividing my session to this afternoon with David Obermiller. And so he's not here now. He had to be coming in late. So he's going to move to tomorrow and I'm going to move my class from tomorrow up to today. So we're going to moving, establishing your market just after this session. And then we're taking the future of ag and moving it into tomorrow. So just so you understand that. So this, this is pretty much, uh, I'm going to run through my PowerPoint and then this is fairly a long session. And if you have questions, we'll, um, we'll try to maybe move. Is everybody going to be here in the session, the next session, or is everybody moving around or, or, or don't know you're staying this to, for two, two sessions. If you do, then you, it'll kind of, this could kind of blend into the next one, depending on time. So we're going to get started here. This presentation began in my mind as more of a discussion or presentation of how and what to farm. But the question that developed is why? I will touch on that being it is the question to answer. The real reason or motivation behind the what and how, where the passion and motivation come from. So there was a farmer, a doctor, and a lawyer in a three-way three split on a large sum of money. In an interview, they asked the doctor what he was going to do with his money. He said he was going to build a surgery suite onto his hospital. They asked the lawyer, and he said he was going to invest it in some stocks. When they came to the farmer, he thought about it a while and then said, well, I guess I'll keep farming till the money runs out. There can be some truth to that. A point I'd like to make is you can make it in farming, but I wouldn't be where I am now without all the help along the way from acquiring land, support from family, neighbors and friends, generous with their equipment, land and time, great marketers, research people, and the people who want what we grow. In this presentation, we will endeavor to cover many things regarding farming, gardening, business, family, and answer questions. Enjoy our time together. I will try to make time for questions, but there's a lot to cover in this. So please remember your questions, and we will try to have time for them. My concern is we try to gather up a lifetime of this in a day or two, and it be, dis be discouraging, like eating too much and getting indigestion, but hopefully not. These topics we will go over when... These are the topics we will go over. Equipping yourself mentally, counting the cost. The future of ag business models. Embarking on your ag, ag venture. Business management. Establishing your market. And how does family fit in? So that's for the next six sessions. When I first received these topics and questions for discussion, I thought it sounded like asking, what is the meaning of life? The process of putting this together seems more difficult in some respects than farming for me. I have struggled to come up with my own answers to these questions and put them together in a coherent way. I'm trying to present something to you meaningful and practical so you can apply it to your situation. It is personal, so not, not so much theoretical. 
I'm telling you what we do, where life has taken us, not as experts, but through an experiential knowledge over time, though some of these questions need a more general answer that you will need to make personal. The sequence of these days and topics will likely blend into each other. It's kind of like asking me what an elephant looks like when perhaps all I'm seeing is the feet and tail. Because I've been in the same circle for 60-some years, farming the same ground in the same place. Some may think we are a major operation or a picture-perfect model. We are not. We innovate, make do, improvise, try to work within the dollars we have, sometimes stepping over a dollar to pick up a dime. I consider us relatively primitive and small-scale. This can be, like I said before, this can be somewhat encouraging and discouraging. Hopefully, we can leave you encouraged. I have a clock. Pray, disc, plant, pray, cultivate, irrigate, pray, fertilizer, spray, pray, weather, repairs, pray, etc. Someone gave me a ringtone. When they get my call, it would go work, 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 work. Not all that way, but sometimes it seems so. So this is our today's topic. Equipping yourself mentally, counting the cost. What is your mentality towards farming? How much do you need to make? How passionate are you about doing farming? Do you have what it takes? What does it take? How long will it take to reach viability? How much training does it require? The 10,000 hour rule, internship, degrees, where to get the knowledge? These are some questions I was given to help answer, but first I will show you an overview of some of what we do, primarily the vegetable production of our farm, and then get into more detail on these questions. I like to look at dirt. When I look at dirt, I start to think about growing stuff. People ask, what do we do? My answer as a farmer, we turn sunshine, water, dirt, and the grace of God into something good to eat. As a salesman, we grow produce and sell romance. I will try to give you a taste or flavor of our farming experience. How can you fully describe it? You can't. There's nothing else like it. It's Beauty and the Beast, in more ways than one, and I'm not just talking about Judy and me, but the satisfaction and the struggles, to put it lightly, what keeps us sane and insane. I'm picking a few features to share with you, some of our farming roots. I'm, I'm guessing most here are involved in farming or gardening in some fashion, organic, conventional, or combo of the two. My personal land is in organics, and that is prim my primary emphasis but I have some involvement in the conventional side as well. I think both have something to offer our economic and learning experience. So I'm wondering what your experience is. Just for my own help here, how many of you farm for your primary source of living? How many of you garden? Could be ornamentals too. How many neither? How many know what you're doing? Oh, that, Alan maybe, huh? My presentation is part information, part inspiration, part our journey, a little romance, and part what was that. But I think it speaks more to the human side of our farm. First, I have a few core motivating directives that form some of my thinking. I could while away the hours, the birds, the flowers, the I have this phrase stuck in my head. 
Every human being created in the image of God is endowed with a power akin to that of the Creator, individuality, power to think and to do. And this, of course, I'm bending this to the farming side in dirt. A verse says, God placed man in this special garden called the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it beautiful. And another, God arranged a special garden for man to live in, which was located in an area called Eden. This is the place where the first man made his home. In this garden, God not only placed trees for food, but also ornamental trees, most beautiful to look at. So I picture a garden as the origin of my first home and a place of pleasure to work. Also, rest. We have made a day of rest a priority, taking Saturday as a day of rest. Many associated with us may wonder at times why, and I as well at times find it difficult to make the discipline. The biology of the work calls, and many needs do not stop. The plants need water, the cows need milking, etc. Though the human side of our farm stops to rest, to look, enjoy, and learn without the driving force of business. We love to visit, or not, and enjoy the quietness and beauty of life. This is a favorite quote of mine. In the cultivation of the soil, the thoughtful worker will find that treasures little dreamed of are opening up before him. No one can succeed in agriculture or gardening without attention to the laws involved. There are some good things that have developed for me over the years. This is one of them. When developing orchard crops with a no-till system, I was wondering how to get the trees a better benefit of green manure and soil-applied organic matter. Here is one way that has opened up with few downsides. Night crawlers. You may be thinking worms. Everyone in farming has worms, but these are my worms. Look at it this way. In the dog world, my dog is better than your dog. <laughs> these are not regular earthworms. Many of you know these are huge topside night feeders with very deep holes. I have dug at least two to three feet deep following their holes to see where they went. All the organic matter, compost, manures, leaves, produce leftovers get eaten, taken down and reduced to worm castings with tremendous soil aeration. This is fun to see. At times I will walk the orchards in the middle of the night to watch them. My daughter and I did an experiment to see what their favorite food was. The populations are huge. I picked these up in, in just a very short time walking around my orchard. If you stomp your feet, you can hear them moving back into the ground. They have a, huge, have a large expanded tail, much like a cobra head, which keeps them anchored in the soil as they feed out in a 10 to 16 inch diameter around their hole. As it was said, treasures little dreamed of are opening up. I think this was one of those. Nightcrawlers. Nightcrawlers. And you thought I was growing worms for the soil. This photo, photo says a lot to me because I know some of the history and it encourages me. It also tells me a lot about my grandma and grandpa, my mom's parents. They homesteaded here in the 1920s or so in the northeast corner of Montana and built this over the years. Here is the original home, right here. If you are wondering about building something from nothing, this is 30 minutes to the nearest town. Mom said, sometimes 50 below in the winter. Horsepower was the mode of the day. No electricity except wind generated. My cousin, about my age, now farms this. My dad was from Idaho and Oregon, but this 
Montana farm is where he and mom met. They settled in California in the 50s, camping under a fig tree the first summer, and progressed in farming and raising a family of 10 kids. A spontaneous tribute to my mom at her memorial was everyone thought they were her favorite. My other grandma and grandpa moved from Oregon to California. Grandpa and my dad also had a commercial fertilizer business selling fertilizer to local farmers. Now that's how to get 82% nitrogen. How's that for balanced nutrition? This is a 1957 calendar from their business. I still love to look at this calendar. Every month is fascinating, but the future was different for me. So how do you farm and be successful at it? For us, maybe it was just staying at it and thinking, I'll do better next year. Or it may be kind of like how to make a fort. First, you have to find a place to make a fort. Then you outline it. After that, you start digging till you get it deep enough. Then you put boards on, and while there's still a little hole in the roof, you make a fireplace. After that, you make a door. Then you get in and seal off the cracks. Then you get out, get a bucket or something, and fill it about two inches up with water and put dirt in it. After that, you get some old newspapers and put them on the boards and put the mud over it. And it's all finished, I guess. So what's the point of this? There really is more to it than that, but you've got to start somewhere. In other words, starting with what you know and have, imperfect or not. So how do we really do things? There is some work involved. These next slides I'm gonna run through are just a quick run through of very fast of some of our operation, just to get you a picture of some of the things we do. That's my daughter, one of my daughters. Putting in alfalfa, working ground, working more ground, spreading compost, steaming. That's ammonia, though, I think, probably. Putting up beds. Gridley, California, getting ready, getting ready to transplant, take transplants out to the field. Uh, Northern California. That five feet yeah, five feet. I say sixty-four inches. If we drive straight. So we're taking off the covers off our trees. I mean, our, our zucchini, and then we're now we're harvesting. We'll go through some of this later. Chili peppers. Our pack line, packing apricots, packing watermelons, having fun, pitching, getting ready to truck, ship some stuff, shipping eggplant, taking down, t getting just prepping the fields for fall for the winter now. Those egrets are an annual occurrence. So we did all this work. And we had all this produce. But what do you do with all of it? This load is going into San Francisco to one of our first produce distributors back in the mid-70s. That's me, by the way. We still do business with them today. But besides all the work, we did fall in love with the beauty. These next slides are a run-through of some of our produce. Harvesting melons, cucumbers, 
eggplant and peppers, sunburst squash, more squash, ambrosia melons, one of the best, yellow mini watermelon, a watermelon pack, bunch of beets, white eggplant, sugar plums, prune plums on the tree, apricots on the tree. But one of our favorites is homegrown tomatoes. We're just going to run through quickly a, a bit on tomatoes. My girls picking tomatoes, throwing tomatoes. My dad. We get these three pound tomatoes. One of the drawbacks of growing that kind right there. <laughs> Just having fun. We grew these one year. Dried tomatoes. I love that. There have been some great adventures along the way. One is getting married. Judy and I have this fun banter. Her phrase, happy wife, good life. My phrase, good wife, happy life. <laughs> but Judy asked for this because she wanted to marry a farmer. Little did she know. Truth be told, it takes a brave and wild woman to move from the city and marry a farmer. What kind of woman would want to marry, wild woman would want to marry a farmer? We're just having fun. Now we're trucking some equipment. She's helping me haul equipment. We had a general store on the farm. This is her real passion, is care for horses. Sometimes you need someone to hold you tight. We have a lot of fun along the way. One of my brothers and his wife made a fun nine-hole golf course and a driving range on the farm. We are not golfers. In fact, I, only, I think I only made, ever made it through five holes. But it made a good way to get together with business friends and family, look around the farm in a fun and casual manner. Often we would meet in the cool of the evening shade and with family to enjoy dinner and have fun watching each other trying to hit those things. <laughs> Here you can see a map of the course, one of the individual holes we call the greens, browns. On occasion we have hay rides for some of our family and friends when they come to visit. This is a favorite quote of mine. Farming looks mighty easy when your plow is a pencil and you're a thousand miles from the cornfield. Dwight Eisenhower. On the left is my one page original growing practices paper for my markets. I have included this illustration because when we first started organic farming in the mid 70s, that was what we gave our customers to explain our growing practices before certification started. Since then, it has been a growing avalanche of paperwork. So my song about carrots, you would say paper seeds if there were such a thing. I have put this in as a very mild expression of the expanse of paperwork. We will cover that later in this presentation. Carrot seeds are not the only thing that has grown over the years. Mm -hmm. 
I would be content to let everyone grow their own food, and I grow mine, or I'll help you grow yours and we share. As I was working in my garden the other day, I realized a simple goal to grow my own food and share it with friends has really come true, but my thinking has been too small, and my field of friends has grown with my garden to a much broader field around this country. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. And don't face me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. And don't face me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you, please, don't miss me. I think we can end there, don't you? <laughs> so what is the mentality towards farming? For the sake of time, I will share just a few quotes, but please take time to read more on your own, especially Fundamentals of Christian Education, Chapter 41, where most of these are from. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. God desires the love that is expressed in heart service, in soul service, in the service of the physical powers. We are not to be dwarfed in any kind of service for God. Whatever he has lent us is to be used intelligently for him. The man who exercises his faculties will surely strengthen them, but he must seek to do his best. There is need of intelligence and educated ability to devise the best far methods in farming. Dullness and ignorance are no virtue. You can choose to become stereotyped in a wrong course of action because you have not the determination to take yourselves in hand and to reform, or, to, or you may cultivate your powers to do the very best kind of service, and then you will find yourselves in demand anywhere and everywhere. You will be appreciated for all your worth, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. There must be education in the sciences and education in plans and methods of working the soil. There is hope in the soil, but, put, but brain and heart and strength must be brought into the work of tilling it. This country needs educated farmers. The God who made who has made the world for the benefit of man will provide means from the earth to sustain the diligent worker. The seed placed in thoroughly prepared soil will produce its harvest. God can spread a table for his people in the wilderness. As they make the book of nature their study, a softening, subduing influence comes over them, for they realize that God's care is over all. From the glorious sun in the heavens to the little brown sparrow or the tiniest insect, that has life. The time is not far distant when the laws against Sunday labor will be more stringent, and an effort should be made to secure grounds away from the cities where fruits and vegetables can be raised. Agriculture will open resources for self-support, and various other trades also could be learned. This real earnest work calls for strength of intellect as well as of muscle. Method and tact are required even to raise fruits and vegetables successfully. Many kinds of labors, labor adapted to different persons may be devised, but the work of the land will be a special blessing to the worker. 
There is a great want of intelligent men to till the soil, who will be thorough. This knowledge will not be a hindrance to the education essential for business or for usefulness in any line. To develop the capacity of the soil requires thought and intelligence. Not only will it develop muscle, but capability for study, because the action of brain and muscle is equalized. We should so train the youth that they will love to work upon the land and delight in improving it. The hope of advancing the cause of God in this country is in creating a new moral taste in the love of work, which will transform mind and character. He who taught Adam and Eve in Eden how to tend the garden would instruct men today. There is wisdom for him who holds the plow and plants the seeds, sows the seed. The earth has its concealed treasures, and the Lord would have thousands and tens of thousands working upon the soil. Many are unwilling to earn their bread by the sweat of their brow, and they refuse to till the soil. But the earth has blessings hidden in her depths for those who have courage and will persevere to gather her treasures. Fathers and mothers who possess a piece of land and a comfortable home are kings and queens. How much do you need to make in farming? So here's an old joke. Do you want to make a small fortune in farming? Start with a large one. <laughs> the simple answer is, at least as much as, as your expenses. If your expenses are too much, cut them down or increase your income. I think you should make as much as you can and save and give as much as you can, using it well, reminding myself this is first a people business. Someone once gave me a saying, live within your harvest, and that is helpful, but I personally think it needs to be more far-sighted than that. I think living to the minimum for personal expenses as much as you can regardless, and holding on to as much as you can to improve the profitability of business, and paying down debt as fast as possible, if you have any, and then spend and live and give and improve as your business increases is my general attitude, attitude, and even then, I'm wary of crop failures, and for these reasons, so as not to sugarcoat this, I have seen two different years of 30-plus acres of peaches fail from frost, a huge loss of late peaches from rain. This last year was my, my worst prune crop we have ever had in my years of farming. Another time, we had five acres of tomatoes burnt with frost. Also, certain tomatoes taken out with a virus. We've lost all of some crops from aphids. Two different years of production lost in nursery crop from my own mistakes. My first greenhouse burned completely down with all my planting trays and spring production. Two times about 10 years apart, we lost the largest portion of our kiwi vineyard from wet winters. We did not replant a third time. We had a complete crop loss this year in a safflower crop we planted. Another year, all of our weeder geese died from a neighbor's chemical spray drift. We, had, we have had money losses from several different people going bankrupt and leaving us with a loss. The troubles and trials can be rather brutal. There have been price cycles of prunes up and down, peaches up and down, doing what we call green drop, destroying part of our crop, and tree pull programs, pushing out trees to take out as many out trees in an industry to reduce production in the markets. There are many blessings but the bugs, weeds, weather, and market need to be addressed because of the damage they can do. My experience is not necessarily yours, but just because there are bad years 
doesn't mean there always will be, and vice versa. Along the way, we need to gather the roses, lilies, and pinks, as I'm sure you have heard quoted, not the thorns and thistles. On the good side, we have seen some excellent crop years with excellent prices. We have developed some great relationships in the market. Some of the systems we have adopted have shown some great biological balances and financial rewards. So we would not still be in this if there wasn't enough to keep us ahead. The loving kindness of God is not all reserved for the future, eternal reward, but it is abundant for the present needs of His people. All the changes of life, all the hard places in the way to heaven will be blessed by the grace that is sufficient for every trial. We have assuring promises of protection and help. The everlasting arms will be beneath us to encourage, sustain, and uphold. Poverty or wealth, sickness or health, simplicity or wisdom, all are provided for in the promises of His grace. There is light for the intellect, love for the heart, and vigor for every faculty. Signs of the Times, June 29, 1888. But the question, how much do you need to make in farming remains? That will be unique to each of you. I think the design of agriculture with the plan of why, what, when, where, how is the process of developing the spiritual, physical, mental, emotional development along the way and financial as well. A simple way of putting it, decide what you want, make a plan to get there, and follow your plan. How passionate are you about farming? Passion. My thought about passion is make it your own. This is going to be unique to each of you as well, but passion may be in the proportion to the amount of time spent educating, researching, looking into the importance of and rewards of and why farming or gardening, and finding the joy and satisfaction in it. Make it a fit for you. Not all people will be farmers for the only source of living. When you read the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy and other sources of information, you may find your direction. The body is not all hands. There are many skills needed in this world, but I think the idea is that all should be involved in some form of physical or manual labor of which farming or gardening is one of the best forms for personal development. I like as a motivator thinking of farming in the new earth. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Why farm? Is it the goal or motivation or passion? Because that in of itself is a lot of work. I thought I would be speaking mostly to the physical mechanical parts of how and what we do versus why or the spiritual, but as I progress it seemed to become more pronounced in this process. One of the reasons I think agriculture is given as an avenue to take, it encompasses so many things. There's nothing else like it for our development in the life of God's design. Agriculture being the what and how and one of the best ways for personal development, which is a given, but yet perhaps the more important part. So why farm? I think it's in our DNA. For me, that stands for designer's nucleic acid. So I think discover the why of farming and make it your own to find your passion. Do you have what it takes? What does it take? 
my thought about this is taking what is nearest at hand, what is available, and using it to the best of my ability, working and looking for providence and direction. Yes, we all have what it takes to a large degree, because every human being created in the image of God is endowed with a power akin to that of the Creator, individuality, power to think and to do. You will come up with ideas that nobody has thought of and works better for you than anything else. I'm not saying to reinvent the wheel, but if someone else has an idea that works, use it. But you have also have original thought and abilities that no one else has. Use your original God-given power to think and to do. For example, we were out working our fields, this picture on the top left. We needed more weight on our disc. Off the edge of the field we had some old logs, so we just loaded the logs on the, on the disc to give it more weight. Worked just perfectly. This other picture on the right is a, um, an old mobile home frame that somebody dumped on the side of our field. And we, used, we needed a ramp for loading our equipment, so we just put some stands underneath and wheels on it, and it worked perfectly. Worked very well. God gave builders of the temple certain skills. How that happens, I don't know. The wind blows where it will, and we can't see it, but we can see the result. So the with the Spirit of God, but that is what we may what may be in life. Skills and personal direction we each have received from God that are, are unique. Some of what it takes: learning to get out of bed, getting things done on time, looking ahead, planning, being consistent, persevering keeping accounts, making decisions, reasoning through things, taking initiative. What does it take? Good help. We have had some very good help over the years, besides our family. We've had some great people that enjoy working with us in farming and show up every day to help. We've had, we've had people working for us with incredible work ethic. I had one man that would come to work for me an hour's drive away show up before everyone, and leave after everyone, sometimes I would need to tell him to go home when he was finished. When he was finished, he'd tell me, I will come back and play tomorrow. He enjoyed every day. That's him on the bottom with the cucumbers. Though the, tr though the truth be told, this business can be rather ruthless. In our natural condition, we may all want to sit on our behind, but I think the real happiness comes from productivity and accomplishment and serving. For me, i found you have to work pretty hard to find time to sit on your behind unless you're living on someone else's dollar. I also have found it can be, I can be a, a bit anxious trying to get everything done when I want to, and I usually gather it all up in my mind at once, usually at about 2 a.m. in the morning. Sometimes I just need a plan, make a list, and get going on the things to relieve the pressure and start knocking off the tasks. It can take a lot of patience because what you thought to get done is stopped because of weather, equipment breakdowns, visitors, etc. What has been described to me as sequencing. Have you ever heard of sequencing? Well, here's an illustration. Here's a sequence. That's just a simple one. Marking out the field, planting the, get, planting the trees, getting your orchard established, and that's one year's growth on a tree with my daughter. Beautiful. 
But here's another example of sequencing. This is a story by, by Patrick McManus. If you haven't heard of him, this is one of his, I'm reading now from his story. I have long been a student of sequences, probably because of my upbringing on a farm, and perhaps a larger influence my association with my stepfather, Hank. My mother remarried several years after my father died, and Hank came to live with us on our Idaho farm. He was a city person, and at one time a manager of a major league baseball team, who had spent most of his working life in the grocery business. You would expect that someone in the grocery business would know about farming and sequences, but both forever remained a mystery to Hank. What Hank never seemed able to grasp was that on a farm, you simply don't go out and do a piece of work. No, the first thing you do is determine the lengthy sequence of activities necessary even to begin the job. Then you realize that the sequence of preparatory activities is so long, you'll never get, done, get to the intended tasks. So you go fishing instead. <laughs> this has been my family's approach to farming for generations, and it worked fine. But Hank could just never get the hang of it. One day, Hank said to me, Pat, let's take off the day and go fishing up Ruby Creek. Sounds good to me, I said. Let's go. Okay, but first we have to fix the hole in the pasture fence. Won't take but 20 minutes. My shoulders sagged. Hank, I said, either we go fishing or we fix the fence. Which is it? Both, he said. First we fix the fence, then we go fishing. Now go get the wire, stretcher, and we'll get started. I saw that it was hopeless. No matter how often I tried to explain sequences to Hank, he could never grasp the, their significance. The wire stretchers broke, and I said, oh, that's right. Well, we'll, we'll just run over to the Haversteads and borrow theirs. Yeah, but the Malloys borrowed our postal digger. We can swing by the Malloys and pick up our postal digger on the way, back from borrowing the Haversteads wire stretchers. Then we fix the fence and go fishing, easy as pie. We're out of fence staples, too. Is that right? I guess we borrow the Haversteads wire stretcher, pick up our postal digger from the Malloys. We can zip into town and get some staples at the Jurgens Hardware, come back, fix the fence, and go fishing. But Hank, you promised Sam Jurgen you would haul him a load of hay bales from the Nelsons the next time you came to town. Man, that's what I promised. I've got to, I've got to take Sam Hay when we go to town to get staples. Otherwise, we'll be, he'll be mad as hops. We'll have to take the truck. But first, we better pick up the spare tire that's over at Leroy's shop getting fixed. So here's what we'll do. We'll borrow the postal digger from the Haversteads, pick up the wire stretcher from Malloy's, stop at Leroy's shop and get the spare, go over to Nelson's and load the hay, haul the hay to Jurgen's shop, get the staples, come home, fix the fence, and go fishing. How, do, how does that sound? You're getting mixed up, Hank. We, mar we borrow the wire stretcher from the Haversteads, pick up our post hole digger from the Malloys. Good leaping lizards. Well, my, this is getting complicated. Where do we start? I better write it down in the proper sequence, I said. We, we started out to go fishing, but first you wanted to fix that stupid hole in the fence. So now this is me. This, this may be a bit twisted, but it makes my point of sometimes trying to get things done. But I've discovered I'm Hank in this story. That's why I hardly ever go fishing. Or have you heard the song, There's a Hole in the Bucket? Something like that. Or just waiting for the right timing, like rain or no rain, or wind direction or no wind, for example. For example, I just put in some wheat this fall. And as much as I wanted to get started, I needed to wait for the first rain so I could work the ground. 
This land has no irrigation and the ground is sandy and it needed moisture for the traction of the tractor as well as for getting the seed planted in moisture at the right time to sprout and get ahead of the weeds. Timing can be critically important like getting in a cover crop or alfalfa or spring planting so you have watermelon to, to the market by the 4th of July. I don't generally measure my days in hours but in tasks to be done and accomplished when it needs to be done and not always by day or night and many projects just start on a list taking years to accomplish. I, spent, I spend years working on soil and don't try to do it all at once. Maybe you have a more trusting way. We are told not to be anxious. I'm sure I don't have it all together. I guess my style of what it takes is pray, plan, trust God and get to work. Trusting God in Genesis 8.22 As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Every day, every year there are decisions and directions to take. When you are the point man, like the lead goose, you are the one responsible. It is nice to have some help if you have more than you can do yourself. But being willing to do the things that need to be done, when they need to be done, whether you like it or not. An example of training is starting young, milking cows, something like that. It was my work and my business starting at nine years old twice a day till I sold my cows at 18. Starting with milking cows definitely causes discipline. Friends would come to play. Milking always had to be done. They would rather sleep in or play than help with the milking chores, etc. But I would still need to do the milking, help or no help. When the family got home from an outing, cows still need milking. In the summer, set the sprinklers to irrigate the pasture, buy the hay and grain for the winter, figure the costs, take in the money, pay the bills. In other words, the idea of starting habits of responsibility and discipline and business early to help for other things in life. What does it take? If you take initiative, think it through, and don't procrastinate, I think you are ahead of many. I remember reading a book about procrastination, and the takeaway for me was, eat your biggest, ugliest frog first as a directive of how to get things done. Easier said than done. How long does it take to reach viability? I don't know what it will take for you. I started 40 years ago, and before that, nine years of milking cows as a small business. And I don't know that viability has a time frame or definition here, but having land and no debt is a great start to reaching viability. This can be multi-generational in, in its endeavor. I consider my grandfather homesteading in the northeast Montana starting on open ground, and my dad and mom starting here in Gridley underneath a fig tree in the early 50s, just camping out until they found some land. They worked hard balancing a family of 10 kids, several business enterprises, and farming. Some think they are going to get into farming and expect an income as if they were earning a salary or wage comparable to something, and, and that may be, but I'm not sure what comparing it to what. I look at more as earning a life. It could be a lot, it could be not so much. It depends. What are your markets? What kind of crops will you grow? How much land do you have? What kind of resources, backing, equipment, experience? 
I have tried to use every piece of available ground and asset to be productive. I've often thought or said, if you come at the cost and what it takes ahead of time, you may not do it. It's like my mom said when someone asked what it was like raising a family of 10 children. She said, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I wouldn't do it again. (laughs) Or go through it again or something like that. We do our best to track our business and project ahead. And at some point you are invested and you have to see it through, whether it be vegetables or tree crops, and you move on ahead. How much training does it require? The 10,000 hour rule, internship, degrees, where to get the knowledge. So of course, if you are taking classes in regular school, Make use of your current schooling now. If you're in high school or college or industrial arts, FFA and 4-H when I was in school, I did not make use of my opportunity as I should. So it put me at a disadvantage and more of a need of learning through experience. Although I think one of the best classes I took in high school was home ec, even though it was for the wrong reasons. I learned some basic business skills, writing checks and balancing accounts. Take classes in the many skill areas needed in high school or college or night classes, learning skills like construction, concrete, welding, fabrication, mechanics, hydraulics, chemistry, biology, math, geometry, accounting, economics, soil science, typing. English, grammar, besides any type of any other ag classes. So I've been asked about the 10,000 hour rule, how it applies to farming. So is that about five years, six days a week, eight hours a day to be proficient? And the examples given for the rule are usually more repetitive, like the Beatles playing an instrument and emerging at the right time or Bill Joy doing the work of computer programming in the early years of computers, most of it being lots of time, good old hard work, talent, and timing. But in farming, you work through seasons and years to repeat and do the same things, so the repetition is over a longer span. I I look at it as spaced repetition, but not as tight of a time as a 10,000 hour rule. I say every year the same, every day different. I think for some things it has taken 20 to 30 years or so to see the cycle and experience some results, at least for the biology and change in the farming experience. But you see, I never went to kindergarten, so I'm still out of step and being laughed at. That's, that's my, that's my brother and some of my brothers and sisters right there, and that's me, out of step and being laughed at. You can't see it very well, but my next oldest brother is laughing at me. Anyway, we did some building projects, putting a roof on one of our sheds, pouring some concrete. I haven't really talked about the pictures that much, and that's why I say maybe time-wise, it's hard to do it all. So... Also, where to get the knowledge. Experience 
literally and figuratively come from walking or riding with or behind other growers, getting their old equipment and being innovative and economic with ideas. As a small grower, sometimes you can find other farmers who are improving their operations and have usable equipment that for them is obsolete and available to purchase at less than new cost. I have a farmer friend who is most generous in this aspect, and we being acquainted, he considers me when he is changing his operations. I will stop and visit farms and other farmers' equipment yards and shops to see their setup. This is a tractor from a row crop farmer I bought. An old one, but well kept. Great for cultivating. The idea of finding what others have moved on from. An example is a neighboring farmer with a single row planter and me learning from him and his wife who work together putting in their crops each year. It doesn't need to be high tech. Simple can work very well. So if you maybe can't see it very well, but this, this was taken, I don't know, back in the 70s. So that's me on a tractor. My mom is helping me plant some probably melons or, or squash, probably melons. And that planter is on a skid. It's got shoes underneath this. We can see where it made the tracks here. There's the skid tracks. And here's the planter where the planter shoe goes right here. And all it is is a funnel. Goes down into a piece of metal planting shoe. It's an excellent construction. It slices through the dirt and covers it over in the back gets it right down in the moisture. All you do is dropping the seeds in as you move along. Very effective. What this does gives you a dry seed bed where the seed can sprout up through before the, before the weeds come up and uh, get ahead of the weeds. It just, it's an excellent, excellent low-tech planter. If you have the opportunity to work and learn on a farm or the like, then that gives you both money and experience. So where to get knowledge? These are a few I've listed. Ag University Extension classes, Ag conferences, chemical company education classes, Ag equipment trade shows, auctions, visiting other farms, field trips, tours. Here you can see this is a tour that's going on right at this time in, uh, in California. We go to every year usually. This is a tour, we take a bus tour, we go out and look at other farms. Uh, interning in degrees. Um, What's the name of that conference? That's uh, uh, ecological. Let's see, it's ecological farming conference in Monterey. In Monterey. Yeah, uh, it's a good one. Uh, you know, includes a lot of things. It's actually probably international. A lot of people come there. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I, I've, for some of the farm equipment I've looked for in the past, uh, marketfarm.com. ATRA is uh, another website to get information from, eOrganic, and then just for fun I googled, uh, so you want to be a farmer, or WikiHow, you want to be a farmer, and those are kind of interesting, uh, just to see what they have to say. Um, see what else I've got here. Also, a book that I've been enjoying over the years is Family Friendly Farming by Joe Soliton. Uh, some of the compilations, uh, V.G. White, Green Print by David Obermiller, Councils on Ag by John Dysinger, and um, I'm wondering, maybe if anybody has any experience in interns and degrees, we can discuss that at some point. So, but I kind of put this in, how, how's this for a degree? 
the ability to the ability to think and behave in a reasonable way and to make good decisions. So the way it ought to be. If you open it, close it. If you turn it on, turn it off. If you unlock it, lock it. If you break it, repair it. If you can't fix it, report it to someone who can. If you borrow it, return it, and promptly. If you use it, don't abuse it. If you make a mess of it, clean it up. If you move it, put it back. If it belongs to someone else and you want to use it, get permission before taking it. If you don't know how to operate it, leave it alone. <laughs> so that's, this is what we put on our wall in our shop. We, we hope everybody gets a degree in this. So, I know we're uh, about at our time now. So, uh, we have a session coming up. If there's not time for question and answers now, we can ask them in the next session. But, yeah, you got a question? Nice call. You put them right in the soil, you put them in your compost bin, and compost bin, how do you use your next soil? Well, these have developed, quite frankly, we bought this property from a, an old fisherman. And when he would take his night crawlers, come back with his night crawlers, he would dump them out in his yard. And then we bought this land, and they're just, they, I, this is my guess, because they're non-native. And uh, they've multiplied and moved through our fields. So what I do now is I'll go out at nighttime and uh, collect them if I want to move them to another field. And they come up at night, and you use a red light to, to, to collect them. Not a white light, because they're afraid of white light. But at red light, they don't run. You can grab them, pick them up, and then we, usually they come up to mate or whatever they do. I don't know, they're stuck together. And so we pick them up, and then we'll just move them to other fields and, and, and place them in other fields to, to move them around. But we have this one area we kind of consider our nursery. It's right near our house. We have trees, and they will literally clean all the leaves off the by the time spring comes, they've taken all the leaves from the trees back down into the soil. So, um, and, and more questions if you want, and then we have another bit coming up. There's more time in my next session because I don't have as long of a presentation on that part, so if you want to talk more, but then that's fine. You talked about, um, as far as how much money should you make to basically shoot for an amount and then go after it. Once you establish that amount, then what would your procedure be mentally as far as how can you make that happen? Or is it mostly just try one year and then try next year? And, uh, or is, is there a particular procedure that you would say that's going to be easier to that? So, can you summarize your question for me? What, what? Once you get the amount that you want to make, what would be the procedure following that? What would be some of the things okay. that you would say you could do yeah. to make sure that you reach that amount of net profit? In your mind, where's the morning shot in the dark starting out? So once you get where you want to be as far as income, right. what do you do after that? To maintain it. To maintain it? No, no. you pick a number in your head. How do you work backwards to make the project work to achieve that? So okay. Say, I got new land, I'm out of debt, and I said, okay, like to have a living wage of $50,000. So well, yeah, you're going to have to look at what are you doing now to get that? I mean, at any even to where you are, are you producing something at that? Well, like just just starting out. Just starting you out. Land, you're out of debt. You say I want to make $50,000 net income. So then I start looking at what I'm going to do to get there as far as crop. Okay. 
if I'm going to farm, if I'm going to grow something. So searching out the market. Yeah. Okay. What do you what can you do with that land? How are you going to produce something on it? And then I start working through all my numbers. What's it going to cost? You know, for to to develop it. What kind of capital investment I have to make on that? And what's going to be re the return on that investment at, over time? If you have to borrow money to get there, if you you know, say, I don't know, what, what's available to you? What do you have that you would grow? Well, in our situation, you have mixed vegetable production. So you'd have to research that and, and look at what's, what's your, what's, what, I mean, I, there's probably already somebody in that realm that might help maybe in, uh, we, we've got numbers. We've got numbers of what we do. And we've kind of tried to track the detail of that pretty, pretty, yeah, what it costs to produce something, and the market is the difference. Because now we're, sometimes you're losing, and sometimes you're breaking even, and sometimes you're making money. Because the price of what you make, the price of what you're selling for, isn't always the same. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.